lock the door. It's a minotaur. Lock the door. It's a minotaur. Lock the door. It's a minotaur. It's a minotaur. It's a minotaur. Uh, guys, we're pivoting hard to music. We, Evan and I want to be producers. We want to be stars. We want to be on stage. Don't check now, but all of our past stuff on our SoundCloud, I've just, I've, I've thrown it out. We're, we're SoundCloud rappers now. Wait, you, you deleted all of it? That's our only record of all of our old episodes. No, 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 no. Week. This, do you want, should we keep a little episode? bit of that? Should we keep a little and bit And then come back next week, next Monday. <sighs> Scooby Dudes with a Z, with a Z. <laughs> and, you know and we're going to be doing all music. This is the only, the last spoken word part we're ever going to do. And even now, we're considering it a bridge. What else is it like a good, would be like a good, like, SoundCloud rapper name? Like, like for us? If, if only I knew how to pronounce, I think it's XXXTentation. Tenation, I thought, or something Tenation, like that. So, like, XXXScooby-Dudes. XXXScooby-Dudes, yeah. I, I want it. This is stupid. It makes no sense. But I want it to be feet the Scooby Dudes, except it's feet like the things on the end of your legs, so that when we get when we actually do feature and stuff, it's feet feet Scooby Dudes, <laughs> and it's not. There's no logic to that. I just like the idea of it. <laughs> how about how about how about our name is like mm, yes, I like those. <laughs> <laughs> feet mm, yes, I like those. Jay Z feet mm, yes, I like those. Maybe our our name can be Tarantino's favorite. <laughs> Because, oh. because I know we can't, we can't mention feet without getting no, there. We can't. We can't. This all ties in so nicely with the episode that we have today. Um, I'm not sure how, but it does. And oh, you know what? May, may I lay out the prem? Oh, actually, before the episode we're doing today, we are the Scooby Dudes without a Z. I think we should maybe reveal just the plain old S. We are a podcast. It is about Scooby Doo and the gang. Uh, he's Luke. You're Evan. We're two best friends. Uh, we're just here we're, to talk about our favorite meddling kids. And they're dumb doc too. And we're here to talk about them in a particular episode called Lock the Door, It's a Minotaur. And... Oh, excuse me. That chia seed went down the wrong tube. Is the fact that you choked on, like, literally the world's smallest I seed... I did not choke on the chia the seed. The reason it that went your down marriage is failing. Tube. No, 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 no. <laughs> Um, we're not even going to talk about the title beforehand, but let me give you a, the premise, Evan, and our, our listeners the premise, if I may. Lock the door, it's a minotaur, season one, episode 15 of the Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo show. We join the gang as they head to Ilios. That's right, Lord Silvertree's favorite island. The gang will have to navigate accents, olives, and a bull with the bod of a buff man, or they'll find themselves up the Greek without a paddle. <laughs> A bull with the bottom of a buff man. Bull with the of a buff man. <laughs> I love it. That was that was really the olive pit that everything else grew around. Oh man, is it? Why isn't? Uh, if anyone asks what is a minotaur, that's what you tell them. It's a bull with the bottom of a buff man. I, I love the syncop. Is it syncopation? Is that like the right? I, term I think for that? so. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, that that's. I guess maybe that's the the caper to it. Hey, we're the Scooby Dudes. Bull with the bottom of a buff man. <laughs> <laughs> Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. So we're in, uh, this is one of our jet-setting episodes, as I like to think of it. And, and we start out... Oh, actually, uh, you know what, even before we start out, just the title. Can we just look at the title? Lock the door, it's a minotaur. Did that hit you strongly at all? Lock the door, it's a minotaur. I mean, we we very briefly touched on, before we even started recording, the fact that it's not the minotaur, it's a minotaur. It's a minotaur, which I think there's only one minotaur in, in Greek legend. The one that was killed by Theseus, who lived in the labyrinth. I imagine you're actually more familiar than I am with this, uh, this particular myth. Yeah, there was like there's one Minotaur, there's one uh, Medusa. There were more. There's more than one Gorgon. But anyway, the the point is there was just one mm. guy. It's when Zeus got in like one of his. I mean, it's not really fair to say that Zeus got into one of his like horny modes, but he that dude was just like always like down. That to... that was his constant mode. 
Um, but here in the episode, they do refer to it as the Minotaur, even though they don't go into the history of it at all. Why didn't they just make the title Lock the Door? It's the Minotaur. The Minotaur. I have no idea why. Oh, that's not even my biggest problem with the title. My biggest problem is Lock the Door, which makes it sound like the title itself is an active shooter situation. <laughs> yeah, I know they didn't have that. That's not what was in the national mindset back then, but it, it reads not great to me. I sort of read it like a, like a Jehovah's Witness sort of thing. Like... <laughs> Lock the door, like... The Minotaur's coming again. They're in the neighborhood again, just... Oh, Evan, you just, Evan just pulled a very, like, huh? Look on his face and started looking out the window. Evan, is your neighbor... Did he pull a... Does he got the squeegee? He's got the, the soap and the... No, 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 no. It's not Sunday. It's Saturday. Oh, okay. That's uh, right. Sunday is the day when he... I thought it was snowing. You thought it, whoa. So, it's not... That was the look of con, the look of consternation yeah, that, uh, that appeared on my face. We're here when... Here in early Octi. Yeah, it's not snow time just yet. <laughs> early Octi. I was just like, hmm, early Octi. Ryan Lochte. The mo- <laughs> Early Octi. Ryan Lochte. Bull with the bot of a buff man. <laughs> <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Oh, man. Uh, you, when you're like high school, middle school, they play that song. It's like everybody clap your hands. Cha cha, real smooth. Uh, is is that what it's called? I think it's cha cha. It's the cha cha slide. The cha cha slide, and and I.e. the only thing we could dance to in Houghton College. The only, whenever I say Scooby Dudes, I I feel like I'm saying it with the same intonation as Charlie Brown. Oh, I love that. That's great. Uh, but I interrupted you to get at the title a little bit, which again I think is a little bit odd. What were you saying? Um, I was going to say that as many episodes of Scooby-Doo open up, the, this is the cold open, so this is the moment that takes place prior to um, the theme song, the opening credits, we get to see the monster for the first time, menacing people who are not the gang. Exactly, and I love this because it creates a sense of expectation for when the gang comes in. Uh, you know the gang is, it's almost like an episode of CSI, maybe they took this from Scooby-Doo's playbook where you see the crime first and then the, the uh, team joins in. We just saw. Well, I guess it was a little, a little bit ago now. Um, Pompeian circumstance. The similarities here ver- feel very similar. And we really went in on the accents in that. I mean, you opened up, I believe, that episode with the accent. I did open up with me doing that accent, and here, similarly, I had to grab some accents to try and internalize them. I might not have done it well, but the accents run thick throughout this episode. Do you think they deserve more of a pass or less than from Pom- than Pompeian Circumstance? Uh, we're gonna touch on them a little bit, because the first thing we see are, it's, it's an island. Uh, I guess it's Greek. There are Greek people. Um, the sun is setting, and they are frantic to get into their homes. They're all freaking out. I thought at first like there was a hurricane coming or something like that, or whatever's normal in Greece. <laughs> um, but instead, I think they say it's like, oh no, it's the, I'm, it's the Minotaur. I'm not even gonna try to do the accent, at least not yet. Uh, here's the okay. Here's the thing. Okay, I feel like on me. if you could nail down the accent, if if only because, and I feel like this is not super common. The the Minotaur himself has an accent. The Minotaur himself speaks, and okay, so. I don't, I don't have anybody's accent ready on deck except the Minotaur. Oh, wonderful. But, but everyone else is kind of similar. So if you'll give me a moment just to refresh myself on the Minotaur, he has two kinds of ways of speaking. I'll, I'll mention in a second. While Luke is doing that, mm-hmm. I will say there's not really any... We're not going to describe the Minotaur in detail. You know. You know what the Minotaur looks like. He does. He looks like a straight-up Minotaur. It's... Uh, Body of a man, head of a bull. I think minotaurs are also supposed to have tails of bulls, which shouldn't matter. I don't think he does. And that's fine. I don't need, like, an arrow pointing me straight to the butt of the villain, like, right up there. <laughs> also, like, interfering with his loincloth skirt. <laughs> Here is uh, the minotaur. First, this I want to say he has the voice of a golden god. Uh, I, think he's, I think he sounds so... Apollo. Yeah, he sounds beautiful. So so much authority, just like I have returned. I have returned to my island. Leave now, or rest in peace. Kind of. Oh. When you yeah. said rest in peace, I felt like Dracula vibes. The rest in peace was kind of Dracula. I know that's not even what he said, but he talks like this, kind of very smooth and also lower than I can go. But then when he growls, it's the most gargly, disgusting growl ever. It's like, Oh, yes, I'm going to catch you and kill you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Do your Listerine before you get in the sound booth, man. 
But I, I gotta say, I loved his voice. This is one I think that goes against the argument villains shouldn't talk. I, I would actually give make it an exception to that rule. Perhaps the one that proves the rule. Uh, I'm gonna attempt the accent, not do a very good job. Can you? Okay. Okay. Cut this out. Do you hear a vacuum cleaner? Not even a little bit. Okay. Thank goodness. I have returned to claim this island. The night belongs to me. Uh. <laughs> It's not very good. I'm sorry. I think you also, we both went uh, Transylvanian at the end there. The night belongs to me. Blah. (laughs) (laughs) But he does have like, it does lean a little bit that way. I'll I'll, I'll admit this. I haven't seen Mamma Mia 1 or 2, so I don't know what a legit Greek accent (laughs) sounds like. Oh, man. There's just a tweet or something being like, isn't Mamma Mia all about finding out who her father is? Shouldn't it be called Papa Pia? (laughs) It was just like a jokey, like a jokey, like Meninist style criticism of the film or in the franchise. I'm, I'm imagining my mind went to me- immediately to a Mr. Crombopolis yeah, crossover. Your mind? No, Mamma Mia, Here I Go, Killing Again. Oh. Um, but all that to say, I, I like the Minotaur. He does look as we'd expect a Minotaur to look, and he does sound very appealing. I didn't, I have no complaints every time he's speaking. And he also looks, he's I'm buff. Just, he's, I always a, have to bring up the fact that I'm um that I work for Harlequin like I read Harlequin novels that for a living. You have been not too shy about bringing that up. Um but but this we do it, a Harlequin presents is a lot there's a mm. lot of like rich like alpha male type guys and when I now I think when I read a novel like The Greek Billionaire's Bride or like A Bride for the Greek Billionaire or like Redeeming the Greek Billionaire, this is the voice that I'm going to hear, the the dulcet tones of the Minotaur. That's not, I don't feel like that's wrong. I feel like that's what women and men who read these books um, the, picture, have in their minds when the, that man speaks. Because I hear the Minotaur and I think, oh, I like you. I want to tame you. I want to fix you. This is This is a little bit... This is unprecedented. What? If, oh, you, if you follow us, if you go to facebook.com slash Scooby Dudes and follow oh. our page, or if you I, follow us on Twitter, I at have Twitter, no idea where you're going. I'm scared. At the Scooby Dudes. Mm-hmm. I am going to uh, post, post nude pics of himself. What? Excuse me. <laughs> uh, newts. I said <laughs> I was going to post newt. Newt pics. Newt pics of yourself. <laughs> Dressed up as Newt Gingrich. Oh, man. This is. A, a, you, the, the difference between us is you were thinking Newt Gingrich, American politician, and I was thinking I, Newt Gunray of the Trade Federation. Whoa! <laughs> I was thinking Newt, the, the creature, the animal. Also, the Newt Gingrich who stole Christmas. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, I'm, I'm basically gonna create some content, fun little, a fun little like Harlequin slash Scooby Doo mashup. I'm that's mm. if you go to stuff like that, that's the sort of content that I'm going to be creating, putting out. I think it's. It, anyway, it'll be good. So, a little bit of a teaser prior to the outro. Mm. Okay, so um, so the, basically, the Minotaur, in this case, appears to be a creature who only comes out at night. This is contrary to the Minotaur of ancient myth. Who lives, who, is trapped in the, in the labyrinth by design. He was trapped in a labyrinth, and every year, um, the king of Minos would send, I believe, 12 men and 12 women... All young, uh, hale, hardy. I don't know if virgin was necessarily part of the equation, but they were basically sent into the labyrinth and then the minotaur would consume yeah. them. So like the Hunger Games, except everyone gets eaten. I guess so. Hunger Games, except there's a Dead by Daylight type villain in the mix as well. Um, Dead by Daylight. But in this case, this minotaur just comes out at night and he threatens people. He That's threatens it. people. There's no... And- but eating. the people do feel like they register the threats even without eating being a factor. I mean, we see this farmer or, or just a, a humble Greek man pulling at his donkey to get the donkey away in the opening scene. And the slow turnaround to look at the Minotaur when he does appear isn't even the farmer. It's the donkey who has like a horrified... <gasps> Here's a question for you. Is a minotaur equally scary to both man and beasts because it is neither man nor beast? I, I would wager, from what we see here, it's scarier to beast. When it should not be scary to either one, I don't think. I mean, let's, You don't think that as a man you would be fr- afraid of a minotaur? I think, you know like those, those like har- head harnesses you use to work out your neck? The minotaur functionally would be like a dude with a massive head harness because bullheads are enormous 
and it'd be so heavy, he wouldn't be, like, able to move around and stuff. But what if he was and built like also, the mountain from Game of Thrones? Then I guess he could handle that weight a little bit. The best bit. actor the, on that the series. The best actor on that series, as we both say. Give him an Oscar. Give the mountain an Oscar. The first one, not the second one. <laughs> um, uh, but, no, like, I feel... My problem with the Minotaur is that bulls are, you know, angry creatures that can be driven to anger when poked and prodded with swords in a stadium full of people who are about <laughs> to watch it get murdered. I hate bullfighting. I hate it. Um, I, it doesn't make sense that, like, you cross a human with a bull and then you get a true monster. It's like, why not cross it with, like, a hippo or something that's actually a hateful, spiteful oh murder machine? Oh my gosh, that would be very scary. I know, like, that would be scary. But in my opinion, a Minotaur... In real life, IRL would not be that big of a deal. Would not be a villain. We come back to... So they play, like, the theme song. Uh, this is oh, a... and one, one note on the theme song. This is... Oh, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, no, go for it, go for it. I was going to say, this is the theme song that ends with Scrappy carrying Scooby into what appears to be a hospital, a hospital waiting, waiting room. room. Correct. As if he's newborn. <laughs> and one extra wrinkle I want to add in there. Previously, we'd mentioned how Fred is reading a newspaper like he doesn't care, and Shaggy's sitting on the ground holding himself as if he's terrified the birth is going to go wrong. I also want to mention Scooby fell into a like bale of hay right before that. So when Scrappy carries him in, it almost looks like he's glistening, like he's straight out of the womb. There's because this, of the, like, the bits of straw. The hay makes it look like streaks of, yeah, like... Viscera. <laughs> yep, exactly that. It's That's the most, maybe the most incomprehensible scene in all of Scooby-Doo outside of cat creature stuff. Um, but then we are... That's... I, I swear, dude, one of these days, we have to do a commentary on that episode a commentary on our episode can you do a, com- you do a commentary track on a podcast is that possible i do think someday we will return someday we should rewatch the episode and re-listen to our version of that episode and watch kunail's version of that episode if he's got it and then re-record i think it's the one thing that i really want to return to and we've certainly returned to that well many a time um but post theme song we do join the gang who's just pulling up in a boat to good old elios uh i believe you are referring to an Overwatch map? Isn't this Helios? Helios. Aren't you saying Ilios? I feel I thought everyone in this episode said Ilios. And so it's it's Helios. <laughs> it's Helios. Ooh, my bad. I'm gonna edit in. Hang on, let me just do that. Huh, huh, huh. And I'll edit that in front of <laughs> every time I said Ilios. I felt like I was being so sensitive. Was it Elios? Was it uh? Was it Well? Was it uh? Was it Lighthouse? Yeah, no. Was oh, it, you know uh, what? I'm getting it mixed up with Rialto. I get those those shoot, guys mixed what up. Is, what's the last one? It's Well, Lighthouse, and I don't know. I don't know the variations. Temple. Also, this got real niche real fast. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh. Um, but we we joined the gang, and you know what? For a brief moment before Scrappy showed up. This felt like a normal episode, and then Scrappy showed up, and I had to readjust my expectations for how much time I'd really get to spend with Scooby and Shaggy doing their thing. So, uh, they show up. They're dropped off by... uh, A boat drops them off. It is an island. That does make sense. Um, They notice uh, a very, very large yacht next to them, and the guy who uh, brings them in is like, yeah, this yacht belongs to a guy named Lord Silvertree from England. He comes to Helios every year. Uh... And then, immediately, the Minotaur shows up. Oh, yeah, man. There was not even a beat. Normally, I think we'd get a little bit more, watch out for that Minotaur. Don't go there. Oh, no, this is going to happen. Boom, right from the start. I think it's because we just want to get that voice in our ears ASAP. <laughs> um, Scrappy is like, oh, one question. What's a Minotaur? Uh, Velma says it's a legendary creature um, that is a bull with a bottom of a buff man. <laughs> bull with a bottom of a man. Bull with a bottom of a buff man, excuse me. You need that buff to to pace it out. And yeah, she explains it. Also, one thing on Velma this episode, and Daphne to a lesser degree, did it feel like she was talking down to us the entire time? I thought her voice was weird. I th- was her voice weird? I think I think she might we might have had like a I'm not sure if we had a fill-in voice actor, but I do think that they blues they made her blues clues her lines the entire time, like, oh, the Minotaur is an ancient greek monster that lived in a labyrinth like it was labyrinth as they say labyrinth oh no you're exactly right like every bit enunciated um i feel like she and to a lesser degree velma and then when the wrap-up came everybody was talking down to us 
But when I do like when they bring kids into the loop here, when they're like, hey, if you don't know what the Minotaur is, we'll bring you up to speed. Because this is a show for kids. It should do that. Yeah, we've brought this up in the past. Often when, when words are on screen, they're still read to us. They're because read aloud. Not everyone who's watching the show is uh, might have uh, gone to that point of education yet, like might not know how to read. The Minotaur shows up, it threatens them, and then it disappears. Okay, I thought I thought he didn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. He's just waiting as every boat comes in. He's like, okay, new one. Hey, get out of here. And he goes, runs away again. That might not be far from the truth, honestly. That seems to be the case. Uh, yeah, he's really, he, I want to say camping. He's camping the dock. Yeah. Spawn camping. A little niche. You know, Elios is a great map for spawn camping. Is it? I don't think so. Actually, you know what? On well, I've had it where if we're doing re- well or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're doing, if you're doing real Elios, uh, but that's because the spawn is right near like this open courtyard. So if you're stomping them, you they don't have a lot of cover leaving yeah, their spawn. Yeah, and then it's narrow, right? It kind of funnels you. You you're sort of funneled into this area. Yeah, it's it's almost like you have the woods to hide in, and they're just like in an open plain walking out of a cabin. I'm always telling my teammates to like don't push out too far, but people get really overzealous if you're on a control point map. And um, the other team has been pushed all the way back to spawn. Everyone wants to get, like, right up to the doorstep. Oh. And other team's like, oh, no, lock the door. As <laughs> it's, the, it's the enemy team. It's the red team. I, uh, I do think Ilios, the, the best maps for spawn camping or for, or for overextending on a control point. I'm, I'm going to close that. Closed it. Otherwise, I'm not, it's not going to get off track of that. Um, Minotaur shows up. He bounces immediately out and the gang's like well i guess we're gonna go hunt for the minotaur as we do our touristy things now as they often do uh shaggy i one of my favorite things about shaggy is he's very cowardly but he also um has such a fun sense of humor like shaggy is always quipping shaggy's always quipping and i love it when shaggy quips and like scooby joins in and critiques the joke and he's like oh that was a good like i'm gonna talk about that joke in the episode and i think that's what you're referring to here yeah, Shaggy. After Velma says, oh, I thought the Minotaur was just a myth. Well, he's one monster I'll be happy to myth. That's not a good Shaggy voice. But... <laughs> it was said, but no, that is exactly what he said. And Scooby's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scooby, Scooby perks up like, and we get, we give like five seconds to Scooby registering that joke. And then like, oh, there's a good one. <laughs> and he kind of lets it wash over him like oh i'm he gonna really, just... he really revels in that joke yeah and i love that it's almost like reading words aloud on screen to be like hey kids that was a joke here's how we react to jokes so they're kind of looking for the minotaur a few things happen for one um scooby and shaggy and scooby shaggy and and scrappy in in this show in particular the action typically follows just the three of them just going about um, their business. Right. In this case, they make their they find their way into a wagon full of hay um, that is inadvertently has the stop or the brake um, undone. It crashes down into a barn. Um, they're just like, oh great, the Minotaur's not in here. This barn is the perfect place to be. The place we want to be is where the monster is not. The Minotaur does show up, but he's hefting <laughs> like as a, a sack. A, like a burlap sack over his shoulder. I mean, it's not unlike Santa. If you're trying to come up with a mental visualization... That makes a lot... Oh, here's a question. Is there anything that could have worked better than a sack? Because he's probably going to have some booty that the actual villain is trying to steal in there. We're going to find out later on in the episode. Probably. That's how it often goes. Would there have been a better function for that or something? Than a sack. Like a better like means of conveyance than a sack? Yeah. Maybe like a corpse-shaped bag. So it's like, oh, that's the Minotaur's <laughs> last victim. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe this is not. The only things that came to mind were like fanny pack and bindle. You know what? I don't think there's a better option because the only other thing I can think of is that like hobo sack at the end of a stick. And I think that's... Is that not what a bindle is? Is that a bit Or is that... Maybe that... No, I think you're probably right. That is what a bindle is. A bindle is either that or an item of clothing that nuns wear. I think you're thinking of a wimple. Yeah. Oh, that's a wimple. Yeah, okay, so I You're think right. I'm right. A, I bindle think a bindle is a bag sack or carrying device stereotypically used by American subculture of hobos. I was just telling a coworker just yesterday, because she said hobo, and then she was like, oh, should I not have, you know, said, you know, is that, like, not politically correct or whatever? And then I told her that when I was a kid, I was reading this children's series of books, and there was one, and they solved mysteries. Oh, yeah, of course. Kids. Um, but there was this one 
book called The Hobo Code. And apparently, um, hobos, uh, vagrants, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, um, they had this code of like hieroglyphs. Oh, yeah. For like that they would, free food here, generous people here. Yeah, this is, the, or like dog, like don't go in here, or like police patrol this area. And they would just like chalk put on like walls or like fences and stuff. And so to me growing up, I thought hobos were the coolest. I mean, it's like modern day secrets. They're like all over the place. And if you throw in there the image of like jumping onto a moving train and napping on it, it sounds appealing to a kid that doesn't really understand that life. I remember you telling me about those symbols and stuff. That was really cool, especially like hobo nickels and stuff like that. So cool. Oh, yeah. Um, but all that to say hobo is probably not a term I should use. Probably no longer PC. So there's like this fun little thing where like Scooby yeah. Shaggy try to run away. Scrappy runs and brings them back, which I yeah. think is like, I think that's really funny. I think it was pretty funny. Yeah, it worked. If I can make a note on Scrappy here in the middle of it, this is the point at which I realized what I really don't care for about Scrappy. It's not just that Scrappy's brave when Scooby and Shaggy are cowardly. I think it's that Scrappy doesn't understand Scooby and Shaggy. And it's like he doesn't really know them. Because he tries to be brave and he thinks Uncle Scooby is brave. And he doesn't understand that Scooby is cowardly or seem to accept that about Scooby. The dynamic as we had it prior to all of this is that the gang knows each other. They accept each other to some degree. Mm. Scooby and Shaggy are chickens. They're cowards. But that's fine. And we know that about them. We work with them through that using Scooby snacks and the like. Scrappy is the outside force that makes everyone feel less close. So you think that he's not... He's, he's not familiar with the rest of the gang. That or makes him... It, it feels like the gang has to be fronting all the time around him. And so it makes it harder to feel like we're spending quality time with them, like we're on the inner circle as I want to be. Yeah, Scooby definitely has to put on yeah. the semblance of bravery. And I think that's the problem for me. If, if Scrappy knew Scooby was cowardly and accepted that about him, or even like razzed him about it, you know, whatever, just like bring it above the surface, I think I'd be better with it. But this episode kind of made me think that's my problem with Scrappy. I, I kind of need to disagree with you a little okay. bit. I like the idea. That I like Scrappy... it when Scrappy thinks Scooby is brave. Hmm. Oh, you know what? You're right. There's a lot of comedic potential there for like, ah, oh, Scooby, you were doing this as a brave thing when it really was a cowardly thing. And then Scooby wants that to be thought of him. He's like, yeah, yeah, I do. So one thing that Scrappy does in this series is he is always assaulting people who are not the monster, sometimes even giving them very invasive oral examinations. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like sticking his face in their mouth. As dogs do, we've seen that. That that is something sure that the, a dog they, will they, get all up in them gums. They want to know what you had for lunch. <laughs> all up in them gums. All mm. up in them gums. In this case, he 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 sees someone with a sack, <laughs> assumes it's a minotaur, attacks said person. And he gets all up in that sack, which is even more invasive than getting all up in their. And gum. the sack just spills olives everywhere. <laughs> It's it's a burlap sack. I'm sorry, it's a burlap sack. I should have I should not have tried to obscure that. Um, it turns out that this guy is uh his name is Petros. He owns the taverna in town. He also owns the olive grove. He also says my olives, <laughs> much like my cabbages and avatar. Was that something that occurred to you? It my immediately olives. and I and I wanted there to be like almost like a rule. It's it's hard because in Avatar, the last Airbender. There's a character whose cabbage cart or stand keeps being destroyed. He keeps saying, my cabbages. But that joke builds because you see him from episode to episode. And I was just wondering, with Petros, would you still have that same effect if things kept happening to his olives in this episode, but it's, you know, it's, it's in 20-some minutes? Here's the thing. I think the cabbage thing works because it seems to be in the background. Like, they, they, do, they work hard to pace it out, so it doesn't happen a bunch of times back-to-back. Here, if it was going to happen multiple times in a single episode, it would have to be like more relegated to the back of the like the background and like kind of quiet or like we move on from it immediately, so it's not the focal point. Because I think the joke is that it's kind of like it's subtle, it's just there and it's gone. It's not the focus of the moment or the episode. My idea is stuff keeps happening to Petros's olives, but they're like bigger and bigger. So it's like, oh, you spilled a sack of my olives. That's very inconvenient. In- to me and then it's like oh you destroyed uh an entire storeroom of olives this is very bad for my business and the last one is they like burn down his olive grove i was thinking he's burning down the olive grove my olives my uh my means of making a life are have been destroyed 
Um, but then, uh, and then at the very end, we see him go home to to his wife, Popeye's ex, and said, <laughs> "Tell us her all about the tough day he's had." But at least he has her. And I'm gonna let the listeners fill in what happens after that. I'm not gonna. So, uh, Lord Silvertree shows up. Oh yes, Lord Silvertree, who I think is British. He's from England. He's supposed to be British. His accent is weird and bad. It's all over the place. And I, I would say he, it, almost all of his lines start out as if he's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm in Greece, I'm Greek. And then he realizes after a few words, oh no, wait, I'm Lord Silvertree, I'm English. And then after a few more words, he's like, yeah, frick it, I already got the job. Petros is just like an old, older Greek man with like silvery gray hair. Lord Silvertree does not have silver hair. It's 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 mixed, right? Isn't it like I think it's, it's salt and black. pepper, yeah, yeah, and black like and that kind gray. of like rich man salt and pepper that's like the streaks of gray or just yeah, above like Mr. The Fantastic years. or like Doctor Strange or something. I'm so envious whenever I see that. It's like you have great hair, you have a great hair pattern color. That's yeah, I needed to get that out. Uh, so we meet Lord Silvertree. So Lord Silvertree, he really needs those olives. He's so hard on Petros for those olives. Lord Silvertree owns a yacht. He's vacationing here in in Helios, and still he's like, "You need to get it together, man. These olives, look, they're all over the place." And he doesn't even give Petros a chance to say, "These guys, like, broke my bag. They poured them olives on the ground, and then they danced all over them." Uh, they then go to the taverna, um, and somehow make their way there separate from Petros, because Petros lets them in. Like, they part ways and then meet back at the Taverna. But then, we, like you said, we do get into the Taverna, and we have, I think, the most interesting moment of the episode. To compare it to Pompeian Circumstance, this moment felt like the moment that we went into the uh, the stadium, and we heard the shouts of the uh, the crowd, and we saw the uh, like emperor himself, because we walk in, and it's very darkly lit, and there's these lights, and there's this bull-headed silhouette at the end of this long Last Supper-ish table. Uh, which is not missed by Scooby or Shaggy. They are very frightened. Uh, and it just, uh, the way they staged that felt so interesting. It felt surreal and scary, and I loved it. So it turns out that the other person in this taverna, his name is Nick Pappas. It's a very Greek name. Um, he works on Lord Silvertree's yacht. He looks kind of like a young, yeah, like a young uh, college-age guy uh, from like the 70s, 80s. He's kind of got that like big hair a little bit. It's, very, it's a long cut. Yeah, very, very curly, very big hair, and uh, and a good-looking buff-ish kind of dude. And I want to say, he's got a great voice. Man, I heard that guy talk, and it was, uh, don't stop talking. He also has a very uh, fashionable belt. Yeah, that's right. I thought at first it was a bunch of actual orbs, like full balls, all ar- silver balls all around his waist. Silver balls, <laughs> silver balls, it's Christmas time in the city. <laughs> Bull with a buff man's butt. <laughs> So um, I need to not milk that more. Um, Nick Pappas, uh, he goes to art school and he's back for the summer. He's just making some money, summer job, blah, blah, blah. So there are ruins here on Helios. And so they go to the ruins um, to look for clues. Fred doesn't even say that, but I mean, that's what they're doing. Presumably and, that's what they're doing. Although I'd, I'd say with a lot of these travel episodes, the line between tourism and investigation blurs at a lot of points. And while Fred, Velma, and Daphne are doing what they're supposed to be doing, Scooby and Checky are off to the side, and they're playing tic-tac-toe. Playing tic-tac-toe in the ground. I think this is unique. We never see Scooby and Shaggy being, like, bored of the mystery. More often than not, they're just interested in something else or scared of the mystery. I love the idea that they're just like, okay, we're scared. We want nothing to do with this man bull. We are going to go off to the side, but we want to keep ourselves occupied. I, th- I think it makes sense. It's very realistic that if you're terrified of something, you don't just want to not deal with that thing. You want to distract yourself from that thing. And then, and then a foot steps on their tic-tac-toe game. A foot with a shoe and, like, dress pants uh, running up the leg. And they're like, the Minotaur! Who, by the way, has, like, sword and sandals kind of outfit. And quite the calves, if I may say. It's Petros again, and Petros is like, hey, man, these... These ruins, these this temple area, it's dangerous. You shouldn't be here. It's not safe. Um, Scooby and Shaggy are going around, and I'm trying to think back to what episode this calls back to, and I, I can't quite land on it. I'm, I'm sure you can help me out. But they're, they do find, they are scared off earlier by a statue. Um, it kind of looks like there, there's, um, there's a temple of Athena, and there's an enormous like statue of Athena sitting on a throne. So this is like that, but it is a minotaur sitting on a throne, and that's a statue. They sit back in it, but the real minotaur 
is sitting yeah, on it. Yeah, so they, so they essentially like, sit on Santa Claus's lap in in that scene. They're like, man, it's really soft here. The scariest part for me is that the Minotaur then like wraps his arms around them. Like he's bear hugs them both at once and locks them into the seat. What was the other episode where they sat in the monster's lap? Uh, you're thinking of one that we did very recently with the uh, Frankenscoob kind of creature. Oh, that's Monstertainment. Where they get stuck in the TV. And I'd say this is very similar because in both of these things, the, the throne, again, like you said, is a statue of the Minotaur. Both of them, they look like the monster in a Lincoln Monument position. Yes, oh, the, the Lincoln Memorial. Like, that's what I wrote in my notes. Lincoln Memorial. I said that wrong last time, too. Um, but yeah, no, it, it looks so much like that. And the way it plays out here is identical in that they sit on it. They're like, oh, man, it's so nice and comfy. Here's the thing about this time when they sit down. They're like, oh, it's so nice and comfy. It's so nice and comfy, they feel the need to actively bounce up and down. And I want to say it's not super comfy seeing them bouncing up and down on the lap of the Minotaur. It's not, I don't know what I dislike about it. About them bouncing on the crotch of the bull with the bottom of buff man, but it's, it didn't sit right. And I also don't like that we cut to commercial with them still in that peril. Like, I don't, I don't like imagining the three to four minutes in between getting back to them escaping. It's true, because he does, like you said, the bull does, I wrote, embrace them. Mm, that's a good word for it, yeah. But when we come back from the commercial break, do you, I, I was going to look up the name, and I can't remember what it was, and I didn't get around to it. But there was that Yeti that would capture Daffy Duck and then, like, pet his head. He would also, like, try to capture Bugs Bunny. But he had, like, a... He would capture Daffy and then he would pet him and then Daffy would try to get away and this Yeti would capture him again. But it's the kind of thing where um, the Yeti, similar to the Minotaur, would squeeze its... squeeze its object of affection so (laughs) hard that it squeezes them out of its arms. Ah, man, this is... So painful. But yeah, that's what happens here. Except here, you get a sense that it's not over much love for the characters that compels the squeeze. It's just wanting to pop them, I guess. Also, that's a really obscure poll. The Abominable Snowman from those, I've never seen those episodes. Are you serious? Yeah, he's got a massive blue nose. That is such an odd design choice. As well as the mouth. It's like really... He's bangs too, right? Really big bangs, so you don't see the eyes, which is pretty normal. I would expect that. Interesting. I, I can keep I can keep following the action. I, a lot a lot happens. It's There's, all over the place this episode. I, I want to say I love the setting. It feels very rich. It feels very lived in. We're always exploring a, a secret passage or a, a temple or some place that's connected to Greek culture. And I like that they didn't just go um, mythical Greek culture like Hercules the movie did. It that is like, not just ruins and temples. Because it could have been just that that i would have expected that to be honest but here they do seem to like the olives like um at one point the scooby dupe ties into greek culture it's it's more loving than that and i love that so scooby shaggy and scrappy do make their way out of the ruins they see a cave scrappy says oh this is the perfect spot for one of my patented scrappy traps which as we know as veteran viewers of scooby-doo and scrappy do shows scrappy traps are meant to not like they never capture the monster Yep, it can only capture a member of the gang or a random passerby, but it will never capture the monster, and often will give the monster, like, a chance to get the jump on everybody. In this case, and I'm just realizing now, going through my notes, it's Petros again? It is! No, I I did catch this throughout. They are running into Petros and thinking he's the villain at every moment in this episode, and again, he, like, steps into the little rope that Scrappy tied up, and it's like, ah, the monster! It's like, dude, these are dress shoes and slacks. It's not the Minotaur. We see it every time. It turns out that this cave is actually uh, Petros's olive storehouse. So... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he keeps his olives in a cave. Um, And I think Velma says, oh, yeah, like, caves like this, these were used as, as bomb shelters, uh... Or I, I think someone likens it to a bomb shelter, and then Petros confirms, and Velma's like, yeah, in World War II, you know, there were there were bombs, there was a war going on, you needed areas like this to sort of stay safe and, and to hide away. And, uh, which I think is was a cool little historical glimpse. It really grounds the setting in, like, real-life events. That felt like an incredibly lived-in moment. Like, they're, we're watching real people having, a, having an interaction. They also bring up the fact that um, because... These these were great like hideaways. These were great places to uh, stow oneself and also one's possessions, valuables that you did not want to be like looted or ransacked or damaged or destroyed were hidden away in these caves as well. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. 
Like, now I'm thinking, how did that tie in with the rest of the episode? What were we doing here? Um, I guess we'll come back to that. We cut from there to everybody back at the taverna about to eat some lovely stuffed grape leaves. And so, Scooby eats his, which is uh, as tradition would dictate. And then, while Shaggy is distracted, while Shaggy's looking away, starts to reach for his best friend's food. And and these are um, presented under uh, covered, they're covered dishes. Oh yeah, with that, yeah, like bowl cover. And this is, this was very, this took me aback. I was a little surprised by the, by the turn of events here when Sh- Scooby reaches for Shaggy's food next. Well, yeah, it's like Scooby eats it, he's distracted, they look away, they look back, they've just got the one remaining thing in front of them. Scooby opens it up. I don't know if Scooby was going to eat Shaggy's food or if they were both going to share the remaining plate, but it's just Scrappy on the plate inside. And Scrappy has consumed Shaggy's stuffed olive, uh, grape leaves. I, I want to say Scrappy crossed a line here. I don't Scrappy think... Scrappy really crossed a line. I don't think Scrappy is ever depicted as eating anything. No, that's the thing. It's like, Scrappy, this is Scooby's thing. And also, like, you're annoying in a lot of ways. You don't want to pick up another. Like, you, you're good. You're at capacity. Scrappy, okay, Scrappy has never, to my knowledge, been depicted as eating food to the point that we don't even see him eating food in this episode. It's a uh, personal canon. This is the reason Scrappy's growth is stunted. He does not eat. <laughs> He's not. He just hasn't had the puppy chow he needs to grow big. I like to think that he he took these stuffed olive leaves and like rubbed them on his cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know what? To, to Scrappy's credit, I'll say he eats a meal and he goes to pay for it right afterwards. He says, "Hey, this uh, this silver coin. By the way, we found a silver coin when we were in the temple. I'll I'll pay for this." It is very big of him, no pun intended, to, to just offer and just be like, you know what, you guys, I came into some money recently. What I want to do is I want to treat my friends to this meal. The meal's on me. It's on the house. Or yeah. on me. On, on the other hand, when they do find the coin, I think Shaggy says, this could keep us in food for the whole vacation, which is an interesting way of phrasing it. Um, but Scrappy's about to blow it on one meal that Shaggy didn't even eat. Petros takes a look at this coin and is like, this is not money. It's, it's got a hole in it and no, like, face or stamp or anything on it. Shaggy's like, hold on, you guys. He, he sort of takes a page from uh, Batman and Robin, the Joel Schumacher film that would not come out until many, many years later. Says, I got this. Pulls out his credit card. I did love this. This, this was a very 13 Ghosts kind of gag, wasn't it? Um, it is uh, an American Coward's credit card. Shaggy pays with it, then splits. Because I think the Minotaur shows up, maybe? The Minotaur shows up before he can pay, and then there's a little sort of, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the camera. Very 13 Ghosts, where he's just like, um, don't leave it behind or something like that. He says, don't run off without it. Which I guess is something that people with credit cards do. It felt like a last line in a credit card commercial that might have been a little bit more timely at the time. And it's... Yeah, like, the Minotaur, like, shows up at the tavern... Um, to the point where I think they're really pushing us towards Petros being the villain. With how many times we've run into him, with the secret lair he has for no reason aside from storing his olives, um, we are really set up to think that it's him at this point. Also, one, one thing that happened in that scene I didn't want to miss, Scooby and Shaggy ask for ketchup to eat with the stuffed grape leaves, and I've never related more to such an American request for, like ketchup with everything when i, when I was a kid i slathered everything with ketchup and like it was a lot of filipino food and let me tell you i eat that filipino food now and it's delicious and it's great and it does not need uh this condiment on it and it's just everything i would put ketchup on everything i'm i'm terrible for me it's i just like it with meat if i'm eating ribs or if i'm eating steak i want a little bit of ketchup at least um so i feel you there scooby and shaggy but I know that this is a dig at people like me. I know that's why they wrote it in. Yeah, I, I grew out of it. I am still growing. But I am growing. Unlike Scrappy, I do eat food. <laughs> eat the food. Eat the food. Uh, and then I think as we're getting chased, we run into the Scooby-Doop, which I'm glad that this episode has one. And I'm glad it has nothing to do with Greek mythology. The Scooby-Doop is um, a gag that typically Scooby and Shaggy enact in which they create a scenario where the social pressures are so great the monster is forced to comply. In this case, Scrappy has a tiny little guitar, like so tiny, tinier tinier than a ukulele. Um, And Scooby and Shaggy are decked out in what I assume to be traditional Greek uh, garb. 
Yeah, they've got like almost kind of like the tunics with the long sleeves and the hats and like uh, like cloth tied around their legs just below the knee and vests. And they're dancing um, with their arms uh, around each other's shoulders and of course the minotaur's waist because he's a big guy. And, and the minotaur does join in and is actually smiling when this happens. He's, I love this because it's like this minotaur presumably is Greek. This is a very important part of his culture. Um, yeah, he can't help it. He can't help himself. It's dancing. It's the guitar. They're in the outfits. He's just joining in. It's exactly what I want from a Scooby-Doop. This might make it one of my favorite Scooby-Doops that we've seen in a while. I think it, it works on every level it should work on. I really love it. I just love it. the idea because in, in a lot of cases, um, the Scooby-Doop involves some like light. It's always gaslighting. But, but also it's like some light bullying, you know what I mean? Like when Scooby and Shaggy are like the directors on a film set and they're like, hey, like go over oh, here. Yeah. But in this case, this villain is like genuinely enjoying himself. I completely agree. I love that they, they make the villain like joining in. Even the ones that we write almost always push the villain back, make the villain feel uncomfortable and use that as an opportunity to get away. And I'd be remiss if I didn't pivot from there to say, what would we have done for a Scooby dupe in this episode? Were we in the writer's room? Mm. What do I know about the Greeks? See, I, I went to, my mind went to the opposite place of celebrating Greek culture um, because I know Easter is huge in Greece. That's like bigger than Christmas for them. It's the huge, the biggest holiday of the year. I thought Scooby and Shaggy might dress up as an Easter bunny to like enrage the monster. Okay. No, that's very By doing the most American corporate hallmark version of Easter. But I, I don't really know how that action here's plays my, out. So my. it doesn't have much of a direction. Um... The monster comes, like, there's a closet, and, and Scooby and Shaggy burst out of it in costume, and they're dressed like Klingons, and they sort of have, like, those stupid blade weapons. I don't know. I'll put it in the show notes. ScoobyDudes.com. We're both hardcore Star Trek fans, obviously. And they're sort of going into it, and they're just like, ah, ah, ah um, trying to get the monster to buy in, and then... <laughs> And the monster is, like, more confused than anything, like, really perplexed. He doesn't get what they're doing. Um, and then uh, Shaggy takes out this little book, and he's like, oh, this says geek mythology. <laughs> <laughs> How do they get away? How do they get away? They just, then they just run away. They chuck the book at his head, and they book it. Yeah, it turns out that the Minotaur is more of a Star Wars guy. <laughs> I do love that. You know what? I think that's a great joke. It works. It works for that joke as a as a vehicle for that pun. Um, one one idea that I have now, just because we we touched on a couple of things that I I think might work on this. I wanna I want maybe the Scooby Doop to be a, a mashup of the actual Minotaur legend and Mama Mia. He doesn't know which bull is his dad. Oh my um, goodness, that's amazing. <laughs> so Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy dress up as three different hunky movie star bulls who are still in their George Clooney prime and, you know, like silver bull foxes. Um, and, uh, and yeah, they do that gag with the bull. Reach your father. Mama, yeah, you know what? I super dig that. They turn it like a Mamma Mia sort of style thing. That's very good. Very also somewhat Mamma Mia 2 came out at least within the last couple it's months. pretty timely, I think. And I, you yeah. know what, I, I'll say if we could marry the two together, I'd love it if we started out with geek culture and then they're like, oh, no, Greek culture, and then they pivot to mine. Well, that would be a very long <laughs> Scooby-Doop. It would be. Um, but they do use the Scooby-Doop. Again, the dancing, this Greek music, I love it. They use it to get away. So Scooby and Shaggy... There's a very conspicuous section of the wall that is brick, and it turns into a secret passageway. Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy make their way through it, um, and then, disappointingly, well, okay, so they find their way in sort of an underground ruins temple sort of situation, and there's one one single moment, one single shot, where they're viewed from above, and there's like a T, um, like a hallway that, that goes into a T where you go straight and then you can go left or you can go right. And I was like, this is amazing. They're in a labyrinth. And I expected the camera to zoom out again so we could see, like, the rest of the oh. maze. I also wanted that here. And I thought we were in the labyrinth, but we never quite got that moment where we knew we were. A, a hallway that splits into two different directions does not a labyrinth make. No. this could, Like you said, this could just be an underground crypt or the like, or a tomb. Or catacombs. But I will say we do have several secret passages, and that cleans up a lot of my goodwill. Which is to say that they are down here in what is supposedly the labyrinth, and Scrappy somehow is catapulted up onto a chandelier? 
He oh. sometimes catapulted into a chandelier that he pulls down. It drops down like a beam that acts as a runway that everybody else like zips up and gets up in there as well as Scrappy somehow. And then the Minotaur doesn't follow, even though this leads to the Minotaur chair. And we know he's used that passage before. They make their way back up into the ruins that they were prior. Velma, Fred, and Daphne are there. Um, oh yeah, they exist. And then Scooby and Shaggy are like, all right, we're done here. We do not want to be here anymore. There's only one place on this island we want to be, and that is off this island. <laughs> Fred's like, good idea, guys. Go check out the docks. He's saying that as he's going like down as if in an elevator down the chair. We know the Minotaur is downstairs in that room waiting for him. But in and spite like, of that... Yeah, Fred, Velma, and Daphne take the secret passageway back down. And we don't we don't know what they do down there. Like, we spend so, so little time with Fred, Daphne, and Velma, and I'm only realizing this now talking to you. Um, they're down there. They find the passage back to the Taverna, which I think is honestly very cool, in which there's this very clear, like, Taverna leads to the Labyrinth, leads to Temple, Temple leads to, you know, like, it's a very clear delineation of, like, wh- where these various settings are and how they relate to one another. As with A Night of Fright is No Delight, there is a delight to be had in understanding the geography, the complex geography of all these secret passages. Like you said, this leads here, this leads there. We're piecing together this wonderful place that kids like myself love to imagine. And they do they do find some painted canvas down there, as well as some scrapes on the ground, and then they're like, oh, we figured it out, Scooby and Shaggy are in danger. Which is like, wouldn't they have been in danger regardless? Yeah, and also, you guys should be in danger. The Minotaur should be down here with you right now. Um, I, I still don't understand how they knew Scooby and Shaggy were in danger going down to the docks. But we cut to the docks, and it was hard for me to concentrate on most of the rest of the episode because all I could think about was Lord Silvertree's flag, which I couldn't understand. You know what I mean? I'll, I mean, I'll put it on the website. Um, but... It looked like a blue uh, human-like cell uh, going through osmosis. Oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, a blue cell going through osmosis on a bright red flag. It's even got the little hairs all around it. Um, but anyway, Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy have barged onto the Silver Tree Barge, excuse me, boat, and they're just munching olives right out of the uh, these barrels that are I on the I think they're still on the dock. I don't think they're on his yacht. I do believe they're on his... Yeah. You might be right. Um... But yeah, they're look. They're eating all these olives out of these olive, presumably Lord Silvertree's olives. Each one is precious to him. They're like King David's sheep, um, or the metaphor in that. Like he, Lord Silvertree cares about each one, but they're eating them. They find the Minotaur's burlap sack. Here's the thing, Scrappy does find the the Minotaur's sack just lying there. And sorry, or I mean, I guess the Minotaur's sack. I think one might call them Rocky Mountain oysters. <laughs> Is that the term for it? <laughs> I hate that I know what you mean by that. Just needed to make that joke. <laughs> I, I want to say it's interesting that they're like, oh yeah, this is the Minotaur sack. I recognize that anywhere. <sighs> they're all, I mean, and here's the thing. Petros also had a burlap sack earlier. So like, how are you making this distinction? I have no clue how they're getting here. Um, I'm just going to zip through. It's There's not much left. Please, please zip through. It's a very little action for, to get us to the end. Um... Basically, the Minotaur shows up. Ah, the Minotaur. Um, Scrappy takes out a little scrap of red cloth and tries to be a matador to the Minotaur's bull. Scooby needs to save his nephew from being gored, takes his place, and successfully um, tricks the Minotaur into running off of the yacht or dock or whatever it is and into the water, at which point they have captured the Minotaur. Yeah, and then all the rest of the gang circle around with uh, very sharp swords, and they stick them into the bull until he stops moving. And they say, yay! How sportsmanlike of us. Uh, Ole, I Fuck think that's what fighting. you're thinking. <laughs> but I, I do like that they used the cape to, uh, even though I hate bullfighting, I love that they did the bullfight. I think that bullfighting is a good mechanic to capture the minotaur. Okay, so the mystery. I will say... I liked it a lot. Me too. I also really like this one. I think we had all the right clues, and I think we had all the right motivations. They pull off the mask. Uh, It turns out that the Minotaur is not Petros, as we might have been led to believe. Mm -hmm. It is actually Nick Pappas. Nick Pappas. Thank you. I didn't remember his name. Pappas Tapas. And and we should have, I think, two clues that tipped us off for Nick from the start are that he was um, built like the Minotaur, very buff. Um, and his voice, to me, was very distinctly Minotaur-esque. 
That is that is true. That is a pretty good tip off that it's not Petros, who's an old man. Um, or Silvertree, who's also somewhat of an older older gentleman. Um, I, I think that all of the clues actually are very good. Mm-hmm. There's the fact that um, the Minotaur was through, yeah. obviously after these hidden art treasures, which um, uh, Nick would know the value of because he's an art student. Um, Velma actually is rooting around in the camp, in the fire, in the uh, oh yeah, in that in the uh, storehouse, mm-hmm. and apparently in the fire she spots like picture frames. Yeah, and like ancient, nice picture frames, fancy, valuable picture frames. Um, we also found, oh yeah, and and those we now realize were making the scrape marks in the temple when we were looking there from when the Minotaur was dragging them around. Because there were also statues that were sometimes in the sack. Yes. And then finally, and this is the one that I thought was really, mm-hmm. really cool. Um, it turns out that the coin, and I guess I should have put like scare quotes around that, the coin that Scrappy found and tried to pay for uh, dinner with was part of Nick's belt, his fashionable belt. Yeah. And I want to say, I don't think you should have put quotes around it because the episode didn't. When they say it's a coin, we are led to believe that's just a straight up coin. There's no fuzz on that. And then they push back. They're like, wait a minute. That's not a coin, and I, I think that's a good a good progression. Uh, yeah, I think it was really cool that Petros was like, "This is not money," but then, the, you know that that item still sits in their inventory. Yeah, <laughs> like man, I haven't used this in like two levels. Was this optional, and I didn't have to pick it up? I also love that they were hiding the statues and everything in barrels of olives. It made a bit less sense that they were hiding ancient parchment just bare in these barrels of olives. But uh, I think it's a good way of smuggling it. It made a lot of sense. And it brought in that Silvertree had this olive game going. So they were kind of using that. Lord Silvertree himself was innocent as far as we can tell. Which is honestly a little surprising to me. I, I this don't... is one of those situations where I think the villain, one of the villains, got away scot-free. Goes free. I think um, Nick Pappas is counting on Lord Silvertree bailing him out. I think he's like, you know what? If I keep my mouth shut, Silvertree's going to get me a good lawyer. I'm spending two years tops in prison. Because Nick Pappas was was using Silvertree's yacht to sell this art in um, in England, which which makes sense. He, you don't want to sell it in your home country. You want to oh, yeah. you want to take it away. Be more valuable somewhere else. I believe that um, Silvertree was helping him to find a fence to uh, to to offload all of these artifacts and stuff and giving him a cut. They were definitely in cahoots in my mind. I, I don't so. like this whole silver tree being like, oh, I didn't I didn't know. There's no way Silver Tree loves olives that much. I know, like, why did he care so much about the olives initially if he didn't think there was anything more to it? Because he really tears into Petros for dropping these olives. Like, you're incompetent, you're lazy. I don't even know what he says. Um, I think at the very least, Petros is working with someone on Lord Silvertree's staff, like a, some kind of manager. And this is another one where, yeah, I agree. The villain goes partially free. Yeah, so Silvertree. He's a bad dude, I think. I think that yeah. he... Uh, and you know what? Older white man, lots of money. This guy's never going to go away. No, he's, he's secure for the rest of his life. Did you hear Brian Singer's directing another movie? Uh, it's Red Sonja, too. Red Sonja, yeah. Which is which is supposed to be like I think they even described it in the press release as just like a f- like a female empowerment movie, and it's like Brian Singer hasn't directed a good movie I think since X Men Two. Yeah, this is the the worst moment of his career in terms of PR. And apparently he's trying to leverage them to pay him ten million dollars to direct this movie. I read that. That's like how is this anything but a PR nightmare? It's inc- ugh, it's incredible, man. I don't understand it. I don't understand how they expect anyone. Did you to go also see read the article on the AV Club? I did also read the other. We're we're both always reading AV Club articles. Like oh, by I the read way. it on the AV Club when there were no comments, and then I was like, mm, I'm gonna let this percolate. I'm gonna put this to the back of the soap when I come back. Ooh, um, those are a few tangents. Scooby, Shaggy, and Scrappy. They end the episode with a little gag. Scooby and Shag- Scrappy's like, let's go sightseeing, which is. Maybe I guess in character. I guess. Scooby and Shaggy I mean, they, are like, yeah. We have been awake all night. We have not gotten a wink of sleep. We are going to sleep in this speedboat that has been suspended on the side of this yacht. It's like a speed lifeboat. Like if you need to get away from a sinking boat fast, you use this. But yeah, they they sleep in that. Also reminded me of our senior trip, taking a nap in a on a high boat. Hmm. Oh. In, nice with, the, with the life jackets all around us. And, uh, yeah, so Scooby and Shaggy are sleeping, about to take a nap in this boat. Mm. Scrappy, oh no, Scooby! Scooby's the one who knocks the boat into the water. 
Also, Scooby's scratching himself with his hind leg, and that's what kind of bumps the thing, which is an unusually dog-like thing to see Scooby You know what's doing? an unusually human-like thing to do? Very early on in this episode, when they're taking their luggage off of the boat, Scooby just grabs a suitcase in one hand and walks like a man. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it's very off-putting. I don't know why they had to do that. Well, There's got... no reason for Scooby not to just hold the suitcase in his mouth yeah. and like walk along. Or just like everyone else carry all the stuff. I feel like for Scooby to do human stuff, it needs to be in a gag, like where he's miming or where he's doing a Scooby dupe or something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, don't make it like a normal background. Yeah, no, it's it needs to feel special when Scooby <clears throat> does do something human, so we recognize it as a funny thing. Uh, the episode ends with, right. of course, Scooby Dooby Doo and Scrappy Dappy Doo. Two! Still, I really enjoyed this episode. That was a fun yeah, one. Tight, tight mystery. Some good gags, some good jokes. I like the way they worked <clears throat> it. No diggity. Alright. Back it up. Alright, let's All back right. it up. So, one thing, a nitpicky wiki, one of my favorite features we do on this episode, or on this show, um, we go to the Scooby-Doo Wikia, and we look at things that are on the Wikipedia, uh, the Wikia for animation mistakes, technical glitches, inconsistencies, inconsistencies, continuity errors, and or goofs or oddities. The guys spotlight one thing, which is that the Minotaur speaks when in the myth he's more bestial. Um, but here he seems to be more civilized. I'd say certainly his voice is civilized. Do you think that's a fair criticism? I do believe that in the Greek myth... The Minotaur was far more beast than man. I mean, he was eating people. The thing is that you can't imagine this Minotaur eating people. Um, the other two inconsistencies are even, like, are pretty unnecessary. One, we spotlight that the Greeks talk to each other in English, not Greek. Get real, man. I don't know what you, what created expectations for you that we'd have subtitles in Scooby-Doo, but no. Does, wait, does this, does this episode pass, like, the Greek Bechdel test? I don't think it does. There's no Greeks who talk to each other outside of <laughs> America. Like, when the Greeks talk to each other, they're talking to each other about Americans. Yeah, I don't think there's ever a point. Like, do you want, like, does, does the moderator of this wiki want the Greeks to gossip to one another in view of Mystery Incorporated? Yeah, it, it, gossiping to each other as well. Like, he thinks they, they're Shylocks, like these Greeks. Um, one more thing. They, this guy opened up the last two inconsistencies with, it's quite odd that, it's quite odd or just rare that the gang immediately referred to Petros by his first name instead of being more formal. That's how he introduced himself. I think he introduces himself as Petros. I don't know that we know his last name. No, we do. Petros Skouros. You know what? I'm willing to but, give him that. Because I do, I, I it does sound in my mm -hmm. mind for the gang to be like, Mr. Mr. So-and-so. I think it makes a lot of sense. The last episode to feature a traditional mystery until the premiere of the new Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo show four years later. What? This is also the last episode to involve the entire Mystery Inc. as major players in a mystery until a pup named Scooby-Doo. Aww. For most of the 1980s, the traditional mystery format would center mainly around Scooby, Shaggy, da Scrappy-Doo, and Daphne. Because of so searching ghosts, right? I, I guess this is the capper for the season. Oh, right, because it turned into the... the show where it's split between the it was two episodes per two stories per episode yeah i think they went out on a high note you know so evan what it, what do they call those shoes like uh that have the little uh the little wheels that pop out so you can skate around or they can pop back in but if they were made in greece so not wheelies they they were never called wheelies what? What do you mean? No, dude. They were called Heelys. So these would be Helios. Oh, no. What would you call... Okay, even better. Scrap all that. <laughs> scrap all that. Scrappy all that. Even better. Starting this outro from scratch. What do you call those shoes that have wheels in them that can pop in and out? But if those shoes were, were a, a breakfast cereal, cereal... Were a breakfast cereal, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Helios. Listeners... That was Lock the Door, It's a Minotaur. You can now unlock your doors. The episode is done. We're just here to tell you where you can find us online and uh, how you can continue to interact with us, uh, two fun dudes. That's I'll rattle through a few right off the bat. Twitter, we are at the Scooby Dudes. Please hit us up. Facebook.com slash Scooby Dudes. Hit us up there. Go to our website, scoobydudes.com, 
There's so many cool things you can find there. Aren't there, Evan? Uh, show notes. Uh, captions. Or rather, I am taking screenshots of every episode. Luke and I are coming up with funny captions. They're, they're a great time. Uh, we have original title card art for every single episode that we cover. I'm excited for everyone to see our title card art for this episode because the Minotaur is a great looking villain. Uh, Flora. Uh, they are on Tumblr, jam-art, or jam-art.tumblr.com. Please check out her stuff. Very, very talented. Very excited to see what she comes up with Comes up with for our title card this week. And if you want to support us and support our artists, because, again, we pay them for every title card art we commission, go to patreon.com slash scoobydudes and donate to us on a monthly basis. Whatever you can, we appreciate it. It helps keep our lights on and keep us afloat. And you'll get something in return for it. You'll get work in progress for that title card that we commissioned. You'll get um, original jokes written by us. Occasionally little clips clipped from the uh, podcast or original recorded audio just for your patron ears. Also, we like to say the names of our donors every single week. We just like it. It's likable. We like to do it. Uh, let's let's go ahead and do that now. <clears throat> Thank you to these people. We covered Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, ScoobyDudes.com. If I could say, send us an email at ScoobyDudesPodcast at gmail.com. I love few things more than getting an email from a listener. And lastly, maybe you don't want to just talk to us. Maybe you want to tell everyone that you think our podcast is the bee's knees. Mm. Mm, yeah. Mm. Look at the knees on those bees. Oh, you saw, okay, you, you went for it. Yeah. <laughs> Stuttered too long to, to move past it. But if you, think, if you think we are the knees of these, what you should do is you should go to iTunes and leave us a review. If it's a five-star review, and it darn well should be, then we'll read it live on air on this podcast, or at least Evan will. And I've started doing something now where I will actively listen to it as Evan reads it. I don't like it, but that's what we're doing now. I like it. I like that. But for now, do we have any new reviews? Not at the moment. I'm so sad. I'm so sad. Listeners, you made me sad and Evan hungry. Oh, man, I am hungry. Gosh darn it. I know. Lastly, if you're listening to us for the first time, or or maybe you're not familiar with the schedule, we do have new episodes every Mm -hmm. Monday. Every single week. It's a labor of love, but that makes sense, because I love you, Evan. Hmm, what? What? I. Th- uh, every Monday, we have new episodes, I was saying. No, but did you say something after that? I said it's a labor of love, uh, as it should be, because I love this podcast, Evan. Oh, cool. I also love this podcast. Oh, cool. What do you love? Who, what do you love? Who do you love about it? What do you mean? Well, like, uh, like, there's a lot to, what, there's a lot about the podcast. Do you love any, like, particular part, person of it? I'm sorry? Any, any particular part? Oh, yeah, part, and like any part, like could be a human part, could be like an audio part. Um, yeah, like what do, you, what do you love about the podcast? To help our listeners learn what they could love about the podcast. Evan, did you just like suck on a lemon or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. Thinking if there's anything you like about this podcast. Well, I like one of the, co- one of the hosts. Uh, come back to me. Come, come back. There's no one else in the room. I can't pick any <laughs> other student, Evan. <laughs> Scanning the room, no other hands. All right, Evan, back to you. No, no, pass, pass. All right, you've used one of your two passes for the game. Can I call? Can I phone a friend? You can phone a friend. Go ahead. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. Hey Zach, what do I love about this podcast? Scooby Doo. And there you have Scooby-Doo. it. Scooby Doo. I heard Luke. Scooby Doo. I heard Luke. Thank you, Nick. Nope, that's not what I he heard said. Lu- I don't know. Nick. Hey Nick. Nick, come back. Come back, Nick. Nick. All right, we're done. We're done. Nick at night. I want to eat. Mm-hmm.